Hey there, I'm Lauren Hicks, pastor of Pacific Christian Center in Santa Maria, California. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. It's my prayer that this message strengthens your faith and draws you closer to God. Now enjoy today's message. I know this morning that what I have to share with you is from the Holy Spirit because I had no idea what Andy was going to share this morning, but I'd like you to turn in your Bible to Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, and as we conclude today our series on community, we've been looking for the, next, for the last few weeks on, uh, about this question of what would happen if the church ever came together. What would happen if God's people came together and formed a true biblical community? What kind of impact could we have? If you were not here last week, I preached a message called, What If We Serve Together? I, I want to request, if you weren't here last week, please go home or please pull it up on your phone when you get home and listen to the message on the church website, pacificchristian.net. Listen to that message about what could happen if every one of us used our gifts and talents and skills and abilities and our callings for the work of the Lord. Today, I want to preach what I would guess would be part B of that message. I want to talk about being people of influence. And so I'll ask the question, are you a person of influence? John Maxwell, the leadership writer and guru, he says that leadership is simply influence. Nothing more, nothing less, it's just influence. And I know that many of us here today, we don't think of ourselves as influential leaders because we we tend to tie influence with position. We say, since I don't have a title, I don't have a position, I'm not, uh, I'm not, you know, my name is not known, I'm not famous, I'm not significant in that way that I don't have influence, but nothing can be further from the truth. I, I remember years ago uh, sitting with a woman in our congregation, at the time she was 90 years old, and she had been in our church for 60 years, 60 years of her life in our church. And most weekends, she was the last person to leave the building because, because person after person wanted to talk with her, wanted to, to listen to her, and especially the young people in our church would, would gather around her, and she would pour into their lives and answer questions and talk to them and instruct them. But surprisingly, in the conversation, she looked at me and she said, Pastor Lauren, I don't think I have any influence. And she was one of the most influential women that I've ever known. Today, as we conclude this message series, I want to preach about influence, not the influence of popularity or celebrity, not the impact of notoriety, not the importance of position or power or titles or possessions, not the influence of a family, but the significance of a person who is a follower of Jesus. The significance of a person who is a follower of Jesus. Of Jesus. Everyone has influence. Everyone here under the sound of my voice has a circle of influence. Every one of us in this room have people who like us, people who listen to us, people who call us on the phone, people who ask for our input, people who run things by us, people who ask for our wisdom and our experience. Every one of us are influencers. The question is, what kind of influence are you? That's the question. If you were to ask my daughters regularly, when I drop them off at school and they get out of the car, usually my last words to them are these words, today girls, don't be influenced, be an influencer. Don't be influenced, be an influencer. In the Gospel of Matthew, the words of Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, 
words that many of you are familiar with. Verse number 13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here is my conviction. An authentic follower of Jesus is an influential Christian. An authentic follower of Jesus is an influential person. Like salt and light, we cannot help but make an immediate impact in those whom we come across and those that we interact with. The closer we are to Jesus, the saltier and the brighter we will be. This week I've been wrestling with, a, with this question, what does a real Christian look like? I've been kind of wrestling with that in my own spirit. What does it look like to be a real Christian? Would you recognize one if you saw one? How would you know? How can you identify a Christian? Do you carry a membership card in your wallet? Is it just about attending a church? Is it by your political affiliation? Your views on certain issues? Do you have to have a fish decal on the back of your car? Eating a Darwin symbol. <laughs> Do you have to wear a cross around your neck? No, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus in his famous sermon, as he's gathered with his disciples and the multitude that's there on the mountainside, he describes the inner qualities of a follower of Jesus. What does it look like, though, when these inner qualities are lived out? Jesus is saying that you can't have these characters of quality and faith on the inside and it not be noticed on the outside. Can I, can I say that again? Can I challenge us this morning? Jesus is saying we cannot have these inner qualities on the inside and them not be noticed on the outside. One author said it this way, we must be good news before we can share good news. And Jesus in this sermon gives us these two great examples, these two metaphors, these two change agents that many of us as Bible readers, if you read the New Testament, have come across this, certainly this passage of Scripture, so it's not brand new to many of us here today. But Jesus says believers, followers of Jesus, Christians are, are like salt and light. They're like salt and light. We've heard this before, but salt and light both carry enormous influence. Both elements make an immediate impact. Both are noticed instantly, and both are very difficult to hide. Salt and light provide influence. Whatever they come in contact with, it changes. It cannot stay the same. First of all, before we continue, I think it's important to ask the question, who is Jesus describing? This will help us really get catch to the point of what Jesus is saying here. Who is Jesus talking to? Who is Jesus describing when he says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world? Who is? Who is? We are. We are. We are the salt we are the light. And Jesus' statement in Matthew chapter 5 
are not given to us as suggestions. He's not saying, church, I want you to know you have the potential to be an influence. That'll preach. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying, I want you to know that your life can make a difference. That's not what he's saying here. He's not talking about our potential. He's talking about our calling. He's talking about our purpose. He's saying, this is who we are. It's who we are. Not who we ascribe to be, who we might be, but who we are as followers of Jesus. To understand the metaphors Jesus is giving, we need to step back for a moment. Look at the original context, look at a little bit of history, because for you and I today, salt and light are taken for granted. Every kitchen has a container of salt. Light is all around us. It's abundant. There's a light on your cell phone. Light's in the room here today. We have light at the flip of a switch. So what's the big deal about salt and light? But in history, we know, you don't have to look back too far. In history, we know that salt was precious. It was a precious commodity. In fact, Roman soldiers were often paid their wages in salt. There's an old saying you might have heard. It says, he is not worth his salt. New Testament times, light was treasured because it wasn't as abundant as it is today. Light was treasured because it wasn't easy to have. It was obtained by a fireplace of some kind or clay lamps in which there was oil and a wick. Homes in that time, in the New Testament times, were generally one room, which served as a combination of a living room and a dining room. And, and, and off to the side of the room, there would be a chest that would, that would contain their cooking utensils. And at mealtimes, they would bring the chest to the center of the room and place the food on the top of the chest and sit around it. And in the middle of that chest, there would often be a clay pot with oil and a lamp in it, and it would serve as the only light to the room. It was precious. Those listening to Jesus knew the importance. They knew the importance of a single source of light in the center of the room. And when Jesus mentioned the idea of someone taking a bowl and putting it over a light, the crowd would have laughed out loud because no one would do that. No one would do that. When Jesus used these two metaphors, people would have understand him saying that his followers, his followers have significant Influence. Let's look at each of them quickly. Salt is influential because it is a preservative. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It is a preservative. In New Testament times where there is no refrigeration, salt was used to keep things from spoiling and becoming rotten. Authentic Christians have a preserving influence in our society for God's values and God's causes. And when we live out these values and when we speak up for Jesus, we make a difference. Jesus in this passage of scripture not only tells us that we are salty, but he warns us. Listen, he warns us about losing our saltiness. In other words, we can lose our influence. You can't make salt less salty, but when it's diluted, it, imp- it lessens its impact. It's a preservative. Second, salt, well, it enhances flavor. A while back, I got some fresh corn and fired up the grill. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Put that corn on the grill, and we were sitting around the table. I mean, I lathered butter and salt all over that corn, and you should have heard the munching around the table. <laughs> you know what was said when we were eating that corn as a family? The whole family said, wow, this corn tastes great. It's delicious. 
But not a person at the table mentioned the salt. I mean, it was so healthy. You know, vegetable with salt and butter. No one said, boy, that's some delicious salt. Because the job of salt is not to make you think how great salt is, but how great the thing is with which it's involved. And it makes me think, it makes me ask some personal questions. Does my life point to Jesus? Does it enhance the flavor? Does it create a thirst in those that are around me to notice there's something different about me? I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But when I'm around Lauren, I feel different. There's just something about I've got to learn more. I've got to have a conversation. Is that the way I make people feel by the life that I live? Can they see Jesus in me? Do people look at our lives and say, that guy must know God. He must be a believer. I need some of that in my life. Whatever it is, I need some of that. I was at In-N-Out with a friend and we were waiting on our burger, standing there, waiting for our number to be called. You've all been there, haven't you? I just noticed this particular woman who was working behind the counter and how hard she was working and her interactions with the customers at the counter. And it just something struck me. And I told my friend, I said, that woman is a follower of Jesus. He said, how do you know? I said, just watch, just watch for a minute. Watch how she interacts with people. Look, look at her work ethic. Look, I said, she has to be a follower of Jesus. I said, I'm going to go ask her. He said, you're not either. <laughs> I said, no, I, I said, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ask her. And I went to the counter. I said, she said, uh, can I help you? And she expected me to ask her for something. I said, can I just ask you a question? Are you a follower of Jesus? And she was surprised at the question. And then a smile came on her face. She said, yes, I am. I said, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. It makes a difference even at in and out Come on, somebody. It makes a difference even at in and out It enhances flavor. Salt is influential because it causes thirst. Our job is to live in such a way that people around us begin to thirst for a taste of the goodness and the grace of God. Paul said in Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. <laughs> Isn't that great? so that you may know how to answer everyone. Jesus says you are influential because you're salt. But the second metaphor is light. Light is influential. The dictionary defines light as the source, source of illumination. Not, not only are we light receivers, but we are light givers. Light is influential because it helps you see. It helps you see. When you're living in darkness, you need someone to help you see. How many of you know someone who's living in darkness and they need someone to help them see? How many of you remember when you were living in darkness and you needed someone to help you see? Thank God that God sent a man of God. He sent a woman of God, someone in your life that would help you see, that would illuminate the path and help you see. Oh, thank God for the light. You and I can be a light for those living in darkness. Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet talking about the day the Messiah would come. He said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. It helps you see light dispels darkness. It shines most brightly in the darkest place. And the only way out of the darkness is by following the one who is the light of the world. I'm here to tell you this morning, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And the only way most people will find the Lord is by seeing his reflection in our lives, in our behavior, and in our conversations. And then finally, light. What does light do? Light awakens. 
it awakens. You can set the alarm on your phone or your alarm clock if you want to, but eventually enough light will come into the room that it will awaken you. We are to be the light of the world, awakening people to the truth of who Jesus is and the desires to give them. Take a look at Jesus' statement in verse 16. He says, let your light shine before men. It can, you can turn on a light in an empty room. It will dispel the darkness and no one will see it. Where did the darkness go? I don't know, but it's not here any longer because the light has dispelled the darkness. In the same way, if we live the Christian life in secret, no one is going to see Jesus. If your light is going to shine, Jesus said, it has to shine before men and women. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I was recently reading about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You ought, to, you ought to look up Dietrich if you're not familiar with his story and his life. He was an influential Christian in Germany in World War II and gave his life as a martyr. Bonhoeffer says, a flight into the invisible is a denial of the call. In a time in which many Christians were shrinking back, Bonhoeffer's call was for the church to be salt and light in that dark culture. He says, a flight into the invisible is a denial of the call. A community of Jesus which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. Powerful words, not just by someone who talked the talk, but by someone who walked the walk. In other words, Dietrich says, there is no such thing as a secret Christian. If our faith has no impact on the life we live, if faith doesn't make a difference in everyday life, it requires the question, do we really have faith? To influence our world, we cannot separate our faith from our homes, our marriages, our parenting, our careers. Faith in Jesus and his work impacts every area of our lives. And when it does, church, are you with me this morning? And when it does, the world will notice. The world will notice. Salt that stays on a shelf does no good at all. A hidden light is a waste of its intended purpose. Jesus could have said, when they see your beautiful church building on the corner of Santa Maria Way in Bradley, and that's not what he said. He could have said, when they hear your fantastic worship team and band, that's not what he said. When they stop in your cafe and drink your Starbucks coffee, that's what'll do it. That'll get them in. That's not what he says. He simply said, when they see the way you live. You, this morning, church, you are people of influence. What could happen? This is what we've been wrestling with for 40 days. What could happen when the church comes together? If we could recapture this New Testament biblical community. What could happen? What kind of impact can we make in Santa Maria, in Orchid? What kind of impact could we make on the Central Coast? What kind of impact could we make on our nation and our world for Jesus? He is calling for you and for me to be salt and light, to make a difference in our community for Christ. 
We can't miss the ending. The ending. Jesus says that when we do this, that when we are truly salt and light, the result, here's the result. This is the best part. You glorify your Father in heaven. You glorify your Father in heaven. I mentioned this to you last Sunday, but it's just, it's just my heart. I'm not interested in the fame of Pacific Christian Center. I'm not interested in the fame of Lauren Hicks. It doesn't matter. People know my name. I'm interested in the fame of Jesus. J- knowing the name of Jesus. That, the, that our Father in heaven is glorified. What begins on earth ends in heaven. We do the shining and God gets the credit. Sometimes we struggle with this. But light does not call attention to itself. Light provides illumination so that other things can be seen. It's not that we strut ourselves around and say, look at how good Christians we are, but oh, that we would walk humbly before our God as recipients only of God's kindness and his grace, that our life would reflect the glory of Jesus and that in us people would see this Jesus that we love and serve. No one walked into this church today and said, wow, I love those lights. No one said that today. That's my favorite part of the service was the lights. (laughs) No, nobody said that. But when our light shines to those around us, they see our good works. God gets the credit. Here's what happens as the worship team comes. Here's what happens. God gets the glory and we get the joy. Once again, thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Special thanks to those of you who give so generously to make this ministry possible. If God has put it on your heart to give, please visit our website at pacificchristian.net. And if you enjoyed today's message, please consider subscribing, sharing with your friends on social media, and giving us a rating in iTunes. This will enable us to expand our reach and share the message of Christ with more people. Until next time, God bless you.